Right now, that we're going to talk about the two Michaels and Meng Wangzhou. Um, Meng is back in China, of course, and the two Michaels are back in Canada. That's what happened on Friday. As she um, agreed to pay a fine, the extradition hearing was dropped and she was back. Now, the question is, uh, are we still going to try and pretend that this wasn't politically motivated? Some people say it wasn't. Um, Mark Garneau, our foreign affairs minister, says the Canadian government has always thought the detention of the two Michaels was politically motivated. We made that point repeatedly uh, throughout the past uh, 1,019 days that this was a manufactured uh, arbitrary detention uh, directly related to the fact that Canada, uh, respecting the rule of law, had uh, detained among one Joe uh, as part of our respect for our extradition treaty with the United States. In China today, though, they're pushing back against this narrative. Um, the Chinese foreign ministry said today the two Michaels were released on bail for health reasons, saying it had nothing to do with the release of Meng Wangzhou. They did it um, uh, because of health reasons affecting the two Michaels and saying this was not a case of hostage politics. I don't think many people buy it, but that's what the official line is out of uh, the Chinese government. Let's get some information on how this all came about and where we might go from here with Jia Wang, who is the Interim Director of the China Institute at the University of Alberta. Uh, Jia, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, can we just... I think most people understand that this was completely politically motivated and it was a case of hostage politics. Should that just be an accepted fact at this point, especially in Canada? Well, I mean, if you look at how coordinated those uh, releases are, uh, on the one end, there's the Miss Mung, and uh, she was released and on the plane right away. And then on the other end, uh, we have uh, our two Michaels uh, on a plane home. So pretty much the two flights are even, they took off at pretty much the same time yeah. and landed at close to the same time. So it is hard to argue that it's, um, you know, it's not uh, correlated, and at least uh, uh, the U.S., uh, Canada, and, and China had at least worked together on coordinating the timing. And um, as many um, experts speculated, um, that China would probably want to create some distance because um, that will fit better into the narrative um, that uh, they uh, that these two uh, events are not uh, connected. But you know, with the evidence and, and a lot of the facts. It points to the contrary, uh, but you're right. Um, it is a lot of people do see it as political. Yeah. Um, from from the uh, from of course the Canadian perspective, American perspective, um, but if we can also look at the Chinese perspective, they consider this as a political act on the American side in the first place uh, by um, uh, basically requesting to uh, to detain Meng Wanzhou and eventually to have her stand on trial in the United States. That's how it all started. Again, I'm, I'm not condoling or anything, yeah. but it's just from the Chinese perspective, they see it as entirely a political act. It's, uh, it's about suppressing a uh, giant of a Chinese telecom company, Huawei, um, and maybe uh, by extension to try to suppress the growth and the rise of China. So this is how they see it. So they see it as already uh, a political game, unfortunately. Uh, and then, then they enacted upon that. And then, of course, the two Canadians, the two Michaels, were entangled uh, in this whole mess. 
do you think we'll ever really get clarity in terms of how this came about on Friday? Was it just the United States saying, okay, just plead guilty, pay the fine, and this all goes away? Uh, has there been long-term negotiations and back and forth on this? Um, and did Canada play any role in this decision, or were we just stuck in the middle and watching the two big guys work out their problems? Well, I think this is no coincidence. Uh, just see how the three countries uh, basically coordinated uh, the series of events happening so rapidly on Friday. Um, and I believe um, there are already information saying this negotiation, the, the, the Chinese um, company's negotiation with the U.S. Justice Department uh, have been going on for some time. Uh, but because it's in the background, nobody really knows right. um, anything from it. I think it's kept deliberately so because a lot of these discussions, uh, one is suddenly in the public eye, you know, there will be a lot of debate and then it may actually slow the whole process down or perhaps uh, potentially uh, put a pause to it. So it's kept deliberately um, uh, behind the scenes, but I think there's a lot of work going into it uh, on the U.S. part, especially the Biden administration, um, and also many uh, Canadian diplomatic um, uh, officers and other officials are also working really hard uh, behind the scenes uh, with the U.S. and with the Chinese. And I think there's uh, there were some facilitating uh, that definitely um, uh, started and perhaps um, initiated and sustained by the Canadian side uh, to eventually bring to uh, bring this positive results. So when we take a look, I mean, okay, so this incident that grabs so many international headlines is resolved. We know there's still a lot of Canadians in Chinese prisons. Um, what does this mean going forward? Do you think there was some discussion in terms of, okay, let's have some basic parameters in place here so we don't get into this mess again? Or was this just a one-off and now it's up to Canada to sort of do with it what they will? Well, I think um, we probably all learned something from this yeah. um, unfortunate um, turn of events. Um, and uh, and also um, in terms of even in terms of China, um, because of this dragged on three year of um, back and forth, and I think the Chinese uh, reputation has taken a hit as well throughout this whole process. Um, it may make China to think more closely um, before they um, use this type of tactic again. And for Canada, of course, it's um, it's a reminder. Um, you know, China is a powerful nation, uh, and it's not shy to exert its power when uh, the country sees uh, there's a need. Um, but also, I, I, I do uh, want to stress that um, uh, this is this type of tactic is not used very frequently. It's mm-hmm. still very rare. So it's sort of a, only seems to be under certain extraordinary uh, circumstances. Um, and uh, and they, uh, yes, indeed, there were uh, other uh, Canadians detained in China, but some, of course, are charged with a certain crime, like yes. drug crime. Um, and uh, But it's, it's not like um, you know, for the past couple of years, it's not like just um, for, for China to be, you know, picking up random Canadians and, and, and put them in jail. So it's still very rare, this type of, um, uh, the, the many Western countries will call it hostage diplomacy is still happening, very rare. But hopefully, um, you know, by Canada standing up to its uh, rule of law um, and fulfilling its international duties uh, and and uh, and also how long and painful this process takes, um Hopefully, China would be uh, more reluctant to uh, deploy this type of techniques uh, in the future, but also for the international community. I mean, there's there's 
always that risk, and it may not just be China, right? There, there right, might be yeah. other countries thinking of that kind of um, tactics, and uh, but there's always a risk. So it, it is um, for the international community to uh, come together and, um, and and condemn that kind of um, action uh, and to hopefully ensure that doesn't happen again. Yeah, a cautionary tale, if nothing else. Uh, Gia, thanks so much for your time this morning. I really appreciate your insight. Thank you very much for having me. Jia Wang, who is the interim director of the China Institute at the University of Alberta. So the question now is, what about Huawei? That's what this is all about.